Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Glad to be with you today. And I pray that all is well with you and that you are finding and enjoying new revelations in God through the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. For God has got a great work for all of us to do in this age in which we live before He returns. Last episode, we talked about an apocalypse of faith and how that seems to be a problem, not only in this country, but of all, in all the West and all the world, for that matter. Faith is an amazing thing. We can have faith in a lot of different things, and some of that faith can be misguided. But faith in God is what saves our soul. It tells us in Ephesians that salvation is a gift from God. It comes by faith and not by works. We believe and God counts it as righteousness. We believe his word. That's important to the Lord. When you tell somebody something, you tell your kids something or your grandkids or a good friend is asking you for advice and you really feel like something's come from the Lord and you give it to them and they accept it, that makes you feel good. That's how God feels. He's given us his word. He's pure. He's right all the time. We're not. But he is. His advice and his word is right and righteous and pure. And when we decide, yes, Lord, I believe you at your word, no matter what's going on around me, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in your word that you're going to keep me, that you're going to strengthen me, that you're going to be with me. That's accounted to us for righteousness. And that's the only righteousness we have. As we know, the Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. In other words, what are good deeds without faith, our good deeds without trusting God. They're all nice things to do, but it doesn't bring us righteousness. Only our confession of the Lord Jesus Christ and our trust in him makes us clean before him. So this epidemic of apocalypse of faith, we all know that it's spreading worldwide. And more and more people are denying the word of God in the sense they don't believe that it's relevant to today. We have to change with the times. That's what they'll tell you. But the word of God does not change. There's no shadow of turning in the Lord, as the scripture says, which means he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't have new revisions, and he doesn't update his word according to what we believe. It's important for us to understand what Babylon is. Lots of times we think of Babylon as the place in Iraq. We think about, is it going to be rebuilt? Is that what the scripture is telling us? Or does Babylon refer to Jerusalem? Some people say maybe it refers to the West, such as New York City or some other place. The most important thing for us to understand is the spirit of Babylon is just that. It's a spirit. It's been with us Almost since the beginning of time, the beginning of the rebellion is where it started. It represents idols, it represents self, it represents self-fulfillment, pleasures, luxuries. It's all about us. Way before selfies became popular, Babylon was all about selfies. And today, we are trapped. We're intoxicated with new things. We're intoxicated with how we can make ourselves happier. How can we fulfill ourselves in every way? Every whim that we have, we want it to happen. And now we have the ability to make it happen. But it ends up empty 
because it's just the chase. We're just chasing air. And when we get to it, it's, it's just gone. It blows away. It doesn't really exist. It's a trap, one of the many traps and lures and lies of the spirit of Babylon. So how do we confront this? We used to hear scripture quoted all the time years ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that we must come out from among them and be separate. We must come out from among them, meaning the world. Once we're saved, once we know the Lord, we must come out from among them and be separate. But let's break that down. What does that really mean? It doesn't mean that we go somewhere, get all the Christians together and get a territory and all huddle together in this territory and be separate. That's not what Jesus is saying here. That's not what the Spirit of God is saying here. We must be separate in our minds and hearts and souls. We must be totally separate, but not physically separate. Or how could we reach people? How could we touch people for Jesus? It doesn't mean that we're better. It doesn't mean that we're afraid to becoming soiled or any foolishness like that. We just have to be like Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors, the bottom level as far as the religious people were concerned. And the Pharisees come in and said, you know, why does your master eat with sinners? Doesn't he know who these people are? Doesn't he know what they do? So Jesus rubs shoulders with the whole population, but yet he wasn't among them. He was separate. That's the spirit of what the Holy Spirit is saying. Just come out from among them in your heart and in your soul, and in your mind, just like Jesus. Jesus walked among the multitudes. He ministered to them. He talked to them. He reached out to them. His heart broke for them, but he wasn't one of them. He was totally separate in his mind, in his heart, in his spirit. In his case, he was pure, and all those who needed him, he made himself available, and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. So when the Bible tells us to come out and be separate, He's telling us, listen, you have to be different. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about the salt and light. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. He says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are the salt and light. We've heard that many, many times. But in order to be that, we have to be different. The church was never designed to blend in. So many churches, so many people are preaching to blend in philosophy. There's no blending in. We make ourselves available like Jesus did. We do not consider ourselves better than anyone, but in our hearts and minds we know we don't belong to this world. In Psalm 1 we read, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's a shame when people interpret this as we think we're better than someone else, or we think we're holier and we can't be around other people. 
That's not true. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. Because the devil doesn't want us to communicate the message of love and repentance to an unsaved world. The scripture is merely saying that we are not to take the counsel of the wicked. We are not to listen to them. We're not to be transformed by their philosophy. But we are supposed to transform our minds through the Word of God. We're supposed to be the influence. We're not supposed to stand with the sinners. We're not supposed to stand with them in agreement. That's what that means. We are not supposed to be in agreement with the world, but we are supposed to delight ourselves in the Word of God. Because Paul tells us that we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the Word of God. Jesus told the disciples at the table, when he sat down with them, he said, You are already clean by the words I have spoken over you. That's our example. The Word of God needs to be spoken over us. We need to read it. We need to meditate on it. And it cleanses our minds. The blood of Jesus Christ makes us righteous and cleanses us from sin. But how do we stay clean? It's through the Word of God. The Word of God washes our minds and cleanses our hearts. So how does this all relate to the spirit of Babylon? Well, the spirit of Babylon, as we said, has always been in existence. And now it is flourishing. The ultimate goal is to take over the world and turn the world away from Christ. In chapter 18 of Revelation, where it talks about the demise of Babylon, how it's going to be destroyed forever by the Lord God Almighty. Yet in the midst of all this, there's a cry at the end of the book of Revelation. You will notice through the book of Revelation, the Spirit of God cries out. He says, Behold, I come quickly in one section. Make sure your robes are clean. Make sure that your heart is right. And in chapter 18, he comes out and he says, Come out from her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. He's calling his people out. He's calling his church out. We have to be different. We cannot be part of the spirit of Babylon. The lure is great. The deception is amazing. Sometimes we can't grasp the power of deception that the enemy has. The delusion is remarkable. It actually makes people absolutely believe with all their hearts and souls the lies of the devil, the lies of the spirit of Babylon. They are intoxicated. They love it. It appeals to the flesh. This has to be right. It feels so good. How many times have we heard that? But if you and I decide to align ourselves with Babylon, with some of these doctrines that are coming out, we're in trouble. And so are the people around us who count on us to be the salt and light. The road ahead for the Christian church is not an easy one. And those who say it's going to be glorious and we're going to come back strong and the nation is going to return to Christ and, oh, it's just going to be amazing, are not hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Yes, there's going to be a move of God. People are going to be saved. People are going to be touched and healed and delivered because all things are possible with God. It is his desire. 
that none should be lost. But the true facts are many are called and few are chosen. So in this battle that we are facing, there are going to be those who want to point their finger and say that we are nothing but a bunch of prejudiced, self-centered, self-righteous people. So it is very important for us to stand fast. The scripture tells us about the armor of God, but what does it say at the end? It's interesting in Ephesians chapter 6, and so many of us that may be listening say, Russ, you know, I know that. I've read that a million times. I've been in a lot of studies, and we've studied it. But there's only one thing that I want to point out. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And it goes on to tell us what to put on. But to me, the the hardest part is that part. Stand firm then. Wow, that's difficult. We can all put on the armor of God and we say, oh, we look pretty good. We got all this armor on. You know, we got the shield of faith. We got the helmet of salvation. You know, we got the sword of the spirit. You know, we're we're doing pretty good here. We got our, our feet, you know, wrapped in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're ready to go. But the most difficult part, at least for me, is the stand firm then. That's important. So when the Bible tells us to come out from among them, and in Revelation 18, where it says, my people come out from Babylon, come out from the spirit of Babylon, from underneath there, so you don't experience the wrath that's coming. This a warning from Jesus Christ. If we're to reach the world, we need to be separate in our minds and hearts, but readily available with the word of God in love to those that are out looking for the answer. Balance. You hear me talk about balance so much through my podcast. It's so important. You know, I, I nickname people the pendulum people, right? Because it's either like all the way up on one side or all the way up on the other side. We're rarely in the center, and that's where we need to be. Paul tells us that faith without works is dead. That's another centerpiece, right? We need to be in the center. Some people say, well, it's just faith. You know, salvation comes from faith, and we know that. And they, they leave it there. But how do we know if we have faith unless it's accompanied by works? Unless it's accompanied with alignment with Jesus Christ. That's the key. That's the only real works that we need. We receive salvation through faith, but then we align ourselves. Our work is to align ourselves with Jesus Christ. In this way, he works through us completely. He saves us to the uttermost, and he fills us with his spirit to do the work of the kingdom. So I pray that you will be blessed today. It's not an easy message. It's not an easy task. Jesus kept himself clean, and I know he was perfect, and I know he's God, but everything Jesus did was an example for us, every single thing. Even when he rose from the dead and he showed his glorified body, everything was meant for us to see. He said, look, I did it. If they're going to come after the master, they're going to come after you. He was very clear about that. He said, but look, I walked among the lost. I ate with them. We talked. I spent time with them, but I wasn't one of them. So let's pray. Let's believe God. Let's have the faith to come against the faithless. Let's show who God is. He is almighty, he is powerful, and he is coming soon. And we live in the most exciting time of scripture. 
So whatever difficulties you may be facing today, and we all do, know this, nobody loves you like the Father. Nobody loves you like the Father, your Father in heaven. So rest in Him today. So this is Russ Galsel for Chronicles of the End Times. Keep looking up. The King is coming. Thank you.